The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 145. At the end of the episode, I was planning on sharing some chapters from TBI or CTE, What the Hell is Wrong with Me? I was supposed to record that Tuesday night. I went down to the place Hotbox Studio on Greenleaf. I was like, man, those two names alone. I was like, I thought for sure this is going to be the perfect thing. I go down there nine o'clock. I'm already tired because I'm an old man. I go to bed early and uh, find out that the room was double booked. They wanted me to come back. So like the next day, I was like, nah, I don't think so. So instead of being disappointed, frustrated about it, I realized, man, that's that's going to save me so much time. I wasn't sure whether or not I should even record it. It's going to be kind of a pain in the ass. And why not hire a professional? So I came home and that's what my wife said to said, just hire someone on ACX. So that night I put out a uh, request for narrators. The next morning it got approved like at 6.30. A couple hours later I already had like 30, 30 or so. I think now I have, it's like 50 something, maybe 60 uh, auditions and a lot of really good ones to choose from. So I was like, that's perfect. They'll do a better job. Sure, it is going to cost a little bit more money, but I am low on time. And so this is just going to be a good thing. So instead, tonight, today, I will just read the prologue from TBI or CT. Also want to let you know that TBI or CT, the Kindle edition, will be free from on the 25th through the 29th. I think that's Tuesday through, what is that, Saturday. Uh, so pick up that copy. Um, and right now, Try Not to Die at Grandma's House, the Kindle edition is free. Uh, so I think that one is the 21st through the 25th. The Kindle edition is free. I decided to, um, up on the screen, I'll share a list of all my books that I'm having out free in the next 10 weeks. Um, I'm just sharing, I'm sharing that with my newsletter and letting everyone know, and then letting them know why. I think uh, a lot of readers might think, oh, I shouldn't share a book if it's free, if I want to support the author, you know, it's not really helping him. Uh, but no, it actually does help. So I want people to read my work. If you get it for free, check it out. That's awesome, because then I have a feeling we'll, if you like my work, which I hope you will, uh, you're going to go on and you're probably going to purchase some other stuff. But even if you read all my books for free and left reviews, like that's awesome. And you told your friends, like that's awesome. So so every week I will let you guys know what book is free. Uh, that's probably going to continue for a while, at least for the next three months. So as you can see, so next up, so after TBI or CTE, the very next week will be Brightside. Then we have Trying to Die and Brightside. Then Beyond Brightside, Untold Mayhem, Trying to Die in the Pandemic, Trying to Die in Wizard's Tower, Twisted Reunion, 25 Perfect, Days plus five more than the Try Not to Die box set. That one's actually going to be just discounted. And then uh, Messiah. And a dark and disturbing collection uh, just came out. That's the box set of Twisted Reunion, 25 Perfect Days, and Untold Mayhem. I just put that on Kindle. Uh, so that will have to be, I'm going to have to work that into the free schedule as well. So you can definitely get all my stuff for free. That's cool. I appreciate it. So last week I put out, I think I talked about it on the podcast too, but in my newsletter, I was talking about trimming the fat and getting rid of, cutting all the subscribers that just weren't opening the newsletter. And part of me is like, well, that seems like kind of a, maybe people thought I was being kind of a dick and thinking, you know, 
fuck these people that aren't going to listen to me. It's not like that at all. I'm honored that anyone, and I'm always surprised that anyone wants to listen to me. So it's one thing, you know, and I, it goes with the imposter syndrome and not feeling like you're good enough or whatever else, I guess. That's probably part of it. But um, yeah, so I am honored anytime someone picks up my book. There are so many books out there and to go with a new author. Um, and I really appreciate that because like I have very limited reading time. I just picked up, I'm starting to do that where I'm reading new authors. Like last month I read uh, Duncan Ralston's The Midwives. Loved it. Thought it was excellent. Right now I'm reading um, Collins. Uh, it's brutal, but uh, malignant. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty disgusting. But I'm enjoying it. That's probably like the limit I would read on brutality. Uh, but I will leave a review for it as soon as I finish. But like I said, I'm a slow reader. I can't read that many books. So if someone's going to take the time to read one of my books, that's awesome. Um, you know, if someone listen, wants to listen to me talk on the podcast, like for me, that's pretty incredible too. And so I appreciate everyone that does it. That's super cool. Um, and then I think even another step beyond that is the newsletter subscribers. Anyone that wants to read an email, I'm not really big on reading emails. I get so many, most of them I delete. So if there are people out there that are clicking it, reading through, and then writing back to me and we're having conversations, like that's super cool too. So I appreciate all of you that do that. Uh, yeah, it really means a lot. So being able to have you guys read my books for free, that's awesome. And all part of my plan because I want to learn more, lure more and more people in and then, uh, yeah, just build my cult. It's going to be fucking awesome. So that's my plan for world domination. Uh, hope to have it complete in a few years. You can help me get there by following me on BookBub, on Goodreads, on Amazon. Just follow me everywhere. It's all good. And subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. That'd be awesome. So on top of everything else, all everything's going in a positive direction. I'm feeling good. Uh and that's with me doing, I'm halfway through a seven-day intestinal cleanse. Uh, not the easiest thing to start. Uh, it's kind of, you have to drink like bentonite clay, which is gross and nasty and some other stuff. And it's mainly, it's all vegetarian. I'm juicing hardly any calories. Uh, well, a decent amount of calories. I'm, and I'm not feeling hungry at all. Um, doing that and then on with that and yoga and working out every day, lifting weights, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, it's probably the best I've felt physically in a long time. So I was, I was debating on whether or not I was trying to get my friend, George, who I'm doing the cleanse with to say, uh, we'll just only do it for four days and we'll stop for the weekend because four days is good enough. And that's really cool. And I brought that up to him today. I said, Hey, I don't want to be a bad influence, but this is what I'm thinking. You know, I'm cool. If we decide to stop, don't feel bad. But he's like, no, I think we could do the whole weekend. I'm like, fuck. So I guess this whole weekend, no more snacks. Um, it's all, it's all good though. I'm stopping. I stop my food at dinner time, which is like six o'clock and then eat at like maybe eight o'clock. And I'm generally not even hungry. Then. And by eat, I mean that nasty ass clay and a little bit of juice, but whatever. Anyhow, I'm feeling good. I'm making some good choices. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's where we are at. So as a treat for you being such a great listener, I will read from TBRCT, the prologue. I will try not to cry. I promise. I can't promise that I won't. Uh, I probably won't, though. Don't want to be a little bitch on camera, right? And then I will do the first chapter of Trendicide Grandma's House. And you guys can guess the ending. If you want to, you can email me. You can leave it in the comments or whatever. If you guess right, a uh, big pat on the back. If you guess wrong, nice try. All right. 
So let's do this shit. TBI or CTE, what the hell is wrong with me? Prologue. I should never own a gun again. That's what I just wrote down before I rationalized it away. Not trusting myself with a gun is a scary thought. Not the kind I should be having on a Saturday night after sitting front row for the subversive Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament that my 10th Planet teammates dominated. I've been tempted to use cannabis before the show, but I stayed sober intentionally, aware I was in a bad funk that needed to be examined instead of buried in smoke. My anxiety is generally high around crowds, and loud music only amplifies it. My wife Jen was understanding and helped me deal with the venue, and while I did enjoy the matches, the downtime between them was where I realized there was a problem. Everyone else was talking and having a good time, and I was sitting there on the verge of tears, unable to explain what the hell I was experiencing. Now, safe at home, waiting for my vaporizer to warm up, I understand part of the problem is depression. I've not been able to train much the past two years due to neck, back, and shoulder issues. Jiu-Jitsu has been a big part of my life, and it sucks not being able to roll. Yet it goes even deeper than that. News reports replay over and over in my mind. Junior Seau and Andre Waters killing themselves. Aaron Hernandez and his ravaged brain, convicted of the murder of a friend. I worry about Gary Goodrich and my numerous MMA and boxing friends dealing with varying degrees of brain damage. I consider my Brown University teammates who are in brain studies, one of whom I just spent three days with talking about what chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, has done to his life, and that he now only has a short time to live thanks to the combination of the neurodegenerative disease and acute myeloid leukemia. This man who had been told he had the frontal lobe of a 75-year-old rattled off stories about myself that I can't recollect. My time at Brown and much of my life, a messy blur. I tell myself to get over it. I'm making this into something bigger than it needs to be. I haven't had nearly the amount of head trauma NFL players have had. Except for excessive caffeine and cannabis use, I've led a healthy lifestyle over the last decade. If my brain is deteriorating, surely I'd be aware of it. But I can't deny that feeling's back. The one I've kept at bay through yoga, jiu-jitsu, cognitive therapy, meditation, cold therapy, alcohol, and psychedelics. That dark, scary feeling I've had since I was 10 if not younger. <clears throat> the mixture of rage and depression doesn't compute. It used to for the explosive child, the troubled teenager, the failed fighter, the loser who never did a damn thing with his degree. But I now have a beautiful life with a wonderful wife and two incredible children. We're set financially and everyone's healthy. I have close friends and a good support system. I'm publishing books at a nice pace, and I've found a balance between family and writing. My vaporizer's warmed up, so I turn it on, fill the bag with THC, breathe it in, load up another one because, holy shit, I want this feeling to go away. But I stick with it, not willing to be a coward. Perhaps I lucked out and blessed with a resilient brain, all those concussions and knockouts not having any lasting effect. Anyone that's read my fiction knows I'm a doom and gloom kind of guy, so maybe I'm just hardwired to focus on the negative. And even if all those brain injuries did cause problems, surely I'd got past them by now, 
especially with the treatment protocol I'm on. But still, I must consider the symptoms. Impulsive behavior, guilty. Whether gambling, video games, or drugs, I can be an addict. Memory loss. This one's not even funny. I can't tell you the number of times friends have shown me photos of events to prove that I was there. I blame it on the weed. Difficulty planning and carrying out tasks. It takes me days to respond to emails. The littlest things are written down in hopes I'll one day do them. Substance abuse. 31 years of cannabis and counting, along with plenty of experimentation. 34. Emotional instability. It's not all the time. Usually I'm fairly happy, even sweet guy. But it doesn't take a whole lot to rock the ship. One crappy night of sleep and my emotions are all over the place. I don't respond well to confrontation. Depression or apathy. I never would have considered myself depressed until a year ago. But that's just due to the stigma behind the word. There's no denying that's what I'm experiencing. Suicidal thoughts or behavior. I struggled with this most of my life, spending too many of my college nights with a gun in my mouth. It's not something I would ever do now that I have kids, and the urge has been dormant for the past decade, but even a trace of that self-destructiveness is something that I must be aware of. So regardless of the source of the damage, there's something wrong with me. Whether it's from a traumatic brain injury, CTE, substance abuse, childhood scars, or good old genetics, my brain is not in a great place. But it's all good. I'm going to fix it. I have to. All right. TBI or CTE free from Tuesday, January 25th through the 29th. Check it out. Um, whether you think you've had a traumatic brain injury or you know someone that has, there's so many cases of people just walking around with the effects of traumatic brain injuries they're not even aware of. They forgot about whether it was high school football or soccer or car accident or it could be triggered by like a roller coaster this uh inflammation process so if you know someone uh if you have parents that are having any like if you're worried about their brain health dementia is such a big thing there are ways to steps to take in order to prevent or at least postpone um you know a really shitty end to your life so if you know someone that could benefit from it please share it with them I appreciate it. All right. I think we do have time for one more. Why not? I should have brought some fucking water down here. Nope. No water. Cat water. Don't feel like drinking it. Not right now. Not on camera. All right, guys. Let's do this. Try Not to Die at Grandma's House, which is co-authored with my buddy, Anthony Spock. He was my editor. Uh, and actually, he only wanted editor credit on this, but I was like, no way. This dude, he rewrote what I gave him um, and transformed it into this. So, I mean, I can't remember who came up with the characters or any of that, but I'm going to give him credit for almost all of it. Let's give it to him. Uh, so, let's do this. Try Not to Die at Grandma's House, which is also free today. Pick it up. I'm not a coward. I'm just really indecisive. I see every possible outcome and it's paralyzing. Like right now. Mom just wants me to take the keys and drive us home. Everyone's shivering outside the diner. It's starting to drizzle, and my little sister throws back her head like a Pez dispenser and groans. Mom says, come on, David, it'll be good to practice. I suck at driving in the rain and really need to work on it, but I can't take the keys. I've only had my license for a month, and while I like being behind the wheel, 
I try to avoid it when I'm with dad. He makes me too nervous and I always screw up, like missing our exit or cutting someone off. Even mom says the minivan has terrible blind spots, but dad says we're just not using the mirrors correctly. Why don't I drive, my sister says, and mom shoots her a look. My sister's name is Samantha, but she insists we call her Sam. She's tougher than any of the jocks at my high school, and she's only in seventh grade. I've seen her choke out boys twice her size. Come on, Deb, Dad says. We're going to be here all night. Mom doesn't look at him, just jingle, jingles the keys at me like I'm some unmotivated dog. What do you say, David? Do you want to drive now or once we get off the freeway? Don't give him options, Dad says. If there was a flood, the boy drowned picking out sneakers. He would not. But the truth is, I probably would drown. I only have two pairs of sneakers, but I spend an exhausting amount of time choosing which ones to wear. The inside backs of my blue high tops are so worn the plastic cuts into my heels. When I peel off my socks, I just reopen the scabs. My green runners are comfy and light, but they make me think too much about my brother Tim. He gave them to me when I was thinking about joining the track team. He'd broken every record at our high school as a freshman. College recruiters came to every meet. One told mom that Tim would end up on a box of cereal. But that was before he started hanging out with Bill Parker. Tim got arrested for stealing a car with Bill. Then he got expelled after breaking a teacher's nose. My parents took him to a psychologist and even our priest. But Tim couldn't stay out of trouble. It got so bad, mom sent him to live with my grandparents for the summer. That was two years ago, the last time any of us saw him alive. He doesn't want to drive, dad says. Just give me the keys. Mom sighs and hands them over. We all climb in. I keep thinking about Tim. Yesterday was the anniversary of his death. There were search and rescue teams and blood-sniffing dogs. The body they found didn't have a face, like it had been clawed off. The cops said it was probably a coyote or bear. Sam said it must have taken a whole pack of bears to bring down Tim. She wanted to go looking for the one Tim must have killed. She said we could mount it in our basement. Everyone buckled up? Mom asks. She tries to fasten hers, but it won't click. She, sh she jams it down a few times to finally lock it in. My father pulls out of the lot and onto the road. I put my cheek against the freezing window and I stare at the city lights. When we moved to Florida, I expected it to be hot and sticky all the time, but nights by the water, even during the summer, are some of the coldest I've felt. It's like someone sliding icicles right into your bones. Mom turns the heat all the way up. Within minutes, the minivan is a sauna. Sam's letting a couple of pet ants crawl around her hand. She collected a bunch yesterday at the cemetery. Sam and I went alone because Mom and Dad never want to go. Sam stole some flowers from another grave, and I put them on Tim's headstone. We stood there, and I kept trying to picture Tim's face, the one he had before whatever it was tore it off, but I couldn't. I only saw this fuzzy, tanned blob on his shoulders. I wonder how long it's going to take for me to forget his voice or the time he let me play hooky and snuck me into an R-rated movie. Sam opens the sugar package she stole from the diner and feeds it to the ants in her palm. She whispers something about how the sacrifice will bring in a good harvest. Tim taught her how to use a magnifying glass to send the little creatures to their flaming death. It is hope Sam doesn't set the yard on fire like last summer. Sometimes I feel Tim never really left, just entered Sam's body. Thinking about it makes me jealous. They're just so much alike. Tim never had a problem making decisions. A lot of them were wrong, at least according to my parents and the cops, but he never panicked. When he saw something he wanted to do, he did it. 
Grandpa Joe was supposed to break him of that. That was the plan. But I knew Tim would never let that happen. When he stole the car, the cops chased him for almost an hour. The only reason they caught him was he ran out of gas. I'm hot, Sam says. Well, take off your jacket, honey, Mom says. Sam is yanking off her puffy black coat when she suddenly starts looking down at the floor. She's clearly lost an ant, and I know I'm going to wake up tonight with it crawling around my bed. I can already feel it jittering into my ear and giving birth in my brain. Dad takes the turnpike to the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. It's all lit up. A hundred cables bathed in yellow-green light. Each one stretches to the top of the two towering pillars, creating alien-looking sails rising above the water. In the rearview mirror, I see sweat beads rolling around my father's forehead. Take the will, he tells Mom. What? I need to take my jacket off. I'll just turn down the heat. No, I'm hot now. Let's at least get across the bridge. Dad forces her hand to the wheel and starts jerking back and forth to get his arm out of the sleeve. Mom's hand is gripping the wheel so hard it's like she's trying to squeeze juice out of the thing. Her arm's shaking and it's causing the minivan to wobble. Tom, please, you know I hate this. Dad keeps grunting and shuffling. His whole body turns to the left and the engine revs. The cables of the bridge start passing by so fast I can't even see the spaces between them. Tom! My foot's stuck! And so are his arms, both trapped in his jacket. Mom tries to gain control, but we end up swerving. A car honks. Dad's foot must be pressed to the floor because we're going faster and faster. I look over at Sam, who's grinning like a devil. The brakes! The brakes! Mom screams. What do you think I'm... Dad trails off and the tires skid. We're thrown forward, but we're not stopping. The bridge must be too wet. The sound of rubber scraping against pavement is almost as loud as Mom's shrieking. The blast of horns follows. More screeching. Headlights shine through the windshield, then sweep out as cars swerve to avoid us. I see the railing of the bridge. It's getting close. Maybe ten feet. Five. Nothing but dark sky beyond the metal bars. The van pops up on the curb. We slam into the railing. It's creaking and I can't open my eyes. I know we're heading over. Mom just keeps repeating, Oh my god, oh my god. I clench my fist so tight it feels like I'm going to snap my wrists. But the creaking starts to fade. I hear my parents breathing. Sam starts laughing. Way to go, Dad. Soon everyone's laughing. We're not dead. It was just a wreck. The minivan's totaled, but it needed to go anyway. Mom's been saying that for months. The airbags didn't even pop out. Dad unbuckles himself and turns towards us in the back seat. Everyone all right? Yeah, Sam says. But I think my aunt spilled. Any other time, Mom would be freaking out, saying something about Sam not knowing better than to take them out of their tank. But all Mom's doing is looking at me in the rear view, her voice even more delicate than usual when she asks, How about you? You okay? Dad's laugh is a little shaky. They're fine. No blood, no foul. Suddenly, the van's filled with light. It's so bright I can't even turn to see where it's coming from. Dad's eyes double in size. The blaring horn says it's a semi. 18 wheels sliding, skidding right into our back bumper. The railing cracks and everything sounds muffled. The screams, the metal bars clanging on the sides of the van as we plummet down, down. Dad's arms are locked against the wheel as if he could actually stop this. We're falling for so long I start to think we'll never land, that we'll just fall right through the planet and float out into space. But we hit the water and my hands fly up to the roof. Sam's hair is sticking straight up. We must be upside down. Dad's body crashes up on the dash and his head bangs the windshield. Blood seeps into the cracks, spidering out through the glass. It's spreading fast. Everything gets dark and cold and I know we're completely underwater. The water is leaking around the doors. 
Sam must have unbuckled herself because she's suddenly on the ceiling crawling towards Mom. We're still upside down. Mom is trying to free herself, but her seatbelt won't unlock. Sam tries to help her. Their hands keep slapping and pressing, but it won't unbuckle. Water sprays in through the windshield. It's going to burst any second. Mom sees it and frantically jerks at the buckle, but it won't budge. Finally, she gives up, grabs Sam's face. You two have to go. Sam's little fingers keep pressing the button. No, I can get it. Samantha, stop. Look at me. I've never heard Sam cry like this before, and I realize I'm crying too. I'm not leaving, Sam says. It's going to be okay. I'll get your father, but you both have to swim. Sam screams, David, help! I push my button, and for a second, I think I'm trapped just like Mom. But then I hear the click, and my whole body flaps against the ceiling. I crawl over to help, but it's really stuck. David, stop! I don't want to look at her. You need to take care of your sister. You swim out after the glass breaks. My fingers are still pressing the button. Mom takes my face in her hands. Promise me you'll always protect her. I want to tell her to be quiet, that we have to keep trying, but the sound of splintering glass fills the van. Water is going to come like an avalanche. Mom yells at us to get behind the seats, but I don't want to move. I don't want any of this. All right, time to make a decision. Will you continue to try and free Mom? Turn page 42 or somewhere in the Kindle ebook. I don't know where it is. Or pull Sam behind the seats. Turn to page 89 or appropriate page. So would you keep trying to save your mom or would you pull Sam behind the seats like your mom said to do? All right, guys. Thanks for checking this out. Really appreciate it. Next week, we will probably do something from, I don't know. Not sure what we're going to do. Might be based around the free book of the week. Not sure. But I will let you know. All right, you have a fantastic week, and I will talk to you later. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.